0: Hi and welcome to Envirocenter's Green Room. Meet the people on the front lines of climate action and find out what keeps them up at night. I'm Mandy and this week we're joined by a columnist with the Ottawa Citizen and author Brigitte Pellerin. Welcome Brigitte.
1: Hey, nice to have uh, Nice to be here with you.
0: Would you like to introduce yourself to our
1: listeners? So I am a writer I have a couple of books under my belt in French and English and I am also many people may have heard of me that way a columnist with the Ottawa Citizen it's been I've been a columnist with that newspaper now on and off for almost 20 years (laughs) I hate saying it
0: that's a great accomplishment (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we ask all of our guests to bring one environmental
1: fact to share what have you brought with Mm -hmm. you today? So my environmental fact is related to active transportation, but it's also related to public health and personal health as well. But you'll see, I'll tie it up to the environment in a second. So the fact is that if in Ottawa, half of the trips people take were done using active transportation. That's anything, basically anything that's on a personal car. It could be a bus, it could be the LRT, it could be your bike, it could be your feet. If half of the trips in Ottawa were made using active transportation, we would reduce the number of cases of diabetes in the city by over 1,600 over the next 10 years. That's research that was done oh, almost two years ago now by a, a group of scientists based out of the Ottawa Hospital. And that number is always stuck with me because you're thinking about public health and the environment and active transportation it's all good for the environment we're all in favor of this but think about these 1600 people or more than 1,600. i think the exact number is 1620 who would be not living with diabetes Like, otherwise they might be now they wouldn't be like the lives of these individuals would be so much better. And we'd all benefit as far as the environment goes. And also having fewer cars, the, not just the air pollution, but also the noise in the cities. And we'd have streets open for people and for bikes, and we'd all be happier on top of everything else.
0: Wow. That's a really interesting fact. I had no idea.
1: There you go. Let's... It's a non- less. Yeah. Lesser known fact. I did write about this about two years ago, but uh, yeah, okay. nobody really picked up on it. So I'm bringing it back up. Wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's get that out there. Um, so the uh, onto the next question is what climate problem keeps you up at night?
1: My kids, I have three and they're wonderful and beautiful. My kids inheriting a planet they can't actually live on. That's a yes, big I'm one. I'm sure
0: you're. Um, I'm sure you're not. Alone they're at the mind.
1: age now. They're. I have one teenager and two almost teenagers practicing to be teenagers, and and they're starting to realize that they see the problems. They and I have one, especially the eldest one. We do a lot of bicycling together, and then she's turning into a bit of a radical. So, good points from mom. Why are there so many cars? Why is this so polluted? Why does I smell all this? The 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 the, the smell of you know cars and gas and and so on and and I say all this and I I have a car like I own one and I drive it sometimes because sometimes that's what's needed but but yeah she's really turning into a radical and saying and why are we not making more efforts why are you adults not making more efforts to make sure that me child have a better planet and yeah it's that's a that's a tough one
0: it's amazing the impact too that youth are having in the climate movement. Like they're very involved. Good. There's a lot of organizations of, of youth folks
1: who are making a difference. So, and they, and they should. And here, I'd like to put in a plug for a really wonderful group of young actors under the direction of uh, Christina Watt. And the name of their, and you could Google it and look it up, the name of their play is 12 and it is about the environment. It was written by youth, and it's performed by youth. Even in pandemic times, they found a way to perform it on Zoom uh, and YouTube and so on. But look it up, 12 uh, with Christina Watt, and they really are very powerful in the way that they express their worries, their concerns, but also in the way that, I mean, it's not very confrontational, but there's a little bit of an edge to it. And they look, us like I'm 50 years old, and they look at people like me, and they say, you didn't do it. You didn't, you didn't do what needed doing. And now we're going to be stuck with the effects of that. And uh, and I'm, I'm egging them on and cheering them on because I need them to speak up more than my generation's done. Um, they're going to be the ones living with it. And, and they shouldn't have to do it. But unfortunately, they have to do it. And they're really, really articulate. And they're really good at doing it. And yeah, the, the more people who can see their show, the better because they really deserve to be heard.
0: That's wonderful.
1: Um, so what is the solution? Well, the solution is to have hard emission caps yesterday. And, and more personally, because that's one thing people hear that and they say, yeah, okay, but that's not really up to me. You personally in your own life, and, and that's something I preach, I try to, to, to do what I, as I preach, to do everything you can to reduce your uh, emissions, reduce your footprint. Maybe that means insulating your house better. Maybe that means uh, leaving the car in the driveway more often. Maybe that means, hey, um, thinking next time you need to buy a house, next time you want to switch houses or or move to a different apartment, change your housing, could I possibly be closer to where I work so I could walk to work? I mean, maybe it's not possible. Maybe it is. Just ask yourself these questions. Um, Zero waste living is a thing that, It's one of those ideals that I would love to be able to get closer to. And I do try. Um, There are ways to reduce it. Whatever it is for some people it's just going to be eating out a little bit less for other people will be taking the car one fewer times a week, like small changes you can make right now, today. Um, Just think about those and. Try to, to use a cliche, think outside the box a little bit. It's not because you've never walked to work that it can't be done. Maybe it can be done. Like just open your mind and try to, or try to really find ways to do your part in your own life. So what do you
0: think is in the way of folks doing that?
1: You know what? It's our addiction to cheap gas. And people will say, oh, are you kidding? What are you talking about? I Gas is at 130, whatever. It's expensive. It's not expensive. Gas is not nearly as expensive as it needs to be. And you know how you can tell that gas is not expensive? Because people sit in their cars idling. If gas was expensive enough that when you're waiting for your friends, your boyfriend, your girl, whatever, your kids, to always take forever to finally get back in the car so you can go to your next de- destination. If while you're waiting those two minutes or sometimes eight, if you thought, I can't possibly leave this engine running because it's going to cost me $5. That would be a proper price to pay for gas. And I know I say this, and I I am very conscious when I say this, that this would disproportionately affect people who earn less, people on low income, people on no income. Uh, I understand that there are ways to target help for people who cannot live without a car on a very low income, like I understand all this, there would have to be some measures to make sure that the ones paying that price are not disproportionately the people who earn $22 an hour, okay, I want I want the people who earn $200,000 a year to pay more of that price than the people who earn $22 an hour. Um, but having said that and being conscious of the privilege of someone like me to say that, yeah, I could pay more to put gas in my car. Um, I don't think that our, the, the price of gas is high enough. I, certainly not for cars. Like for heating is a different thing because we need it because we're in auto one. We need it. Uh, but for driving around, yes, we should all pay more. Our addiction to cheap gas is worth, worse for the climate than crack cocaine would be for our health.
0: Okay, well, that's strong a statement. quote right yeah. there. I think we keep could that just in your back pocket. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> so how do you think people can help them? How how do you think they can start to make these changes and realize the impact they can have?
1: Yeah, the, the first thing is, and I wrote about well, leave the car in the driveway as much as you can. And I I understand saying this that for most people, most of the time your car is in the driveway or parked somewhere. Uh, 90% of the time private cars are actually park somewhere, which when you think about it, it's kind of a weird way to put your money in a box of metal that's sitting outside not doing anything, uh, excuse me. But for the folks who have two, like two car families, for instance, because they sometimes need a second car, but not necessarily always, think of alternatives. For instance, I wrote about this recently, like e-bikes, e-cargo bikes. I mean, I know they look kind of funny and it's very European. Um, But these vehicles, and for those who don't know what a uh, cargo bike is, is those things that has like a big bucket at the front and you drive this. And with the the e-assist, it allows you to, to... push on a fair amount of weight. Some people put their kids in there, they they take them to school or daycare, other people have uh, their groceries, you can even carry somebody else's bike in there, like you can put all kinds of things in there. And with the e-assist, it allows people who are not that much into fitness, or sweating, uh, to really get to where they're going with, you know, ease. And these things are not cheap. They're in the seven, you know, seven, between, I think the cheapest that you can find possibly is around three to $5,000. So it's not cheap. As, if you're thinking about it as a bicycle, it's expensive. If you're thinking about it as a replacement for your second car, now that becomes a completely different proposition. And I would say that's not something individuals can do, but what if we change the rules of financing? You can go to the bank right now and get a loan for a car fairly easily. If you have a job, you know, no problem. Why can't you get a loan to buy an e-cargo bike? At seven, eight, ten thousand dollars, like a car. Like to me, that, that would, be would amazing. make a very big. That would make a very big difference to people, and banks would also make money off that because they get the interest on the loans. Okay, it's just a matter of changing the perspective on things and and opening your mind again to possibilities. And there was something else, and now it's escaping me completely, um, but probably will come back.
0: Okay, um, so I mean, yeah, those are. Those are all very good points. So the final question, but feel free to pop in whatever it was that you missed that you want to go back to is what is, the good, <laughs> so what is so the good what future?
1: What is the good future to you? Like, yeah, what I would like really, and I've actually floated this to a couple of politicians I know, and, and the to have politicians with, running on a platform of public health most politicians like at the provincial federal level not municipal but those those higher up levels very often the first thing that comes out of their mouth is about the economy it has to run well we have to have balanced budgets or close enough we have to have you know all kinds of investments and jobs and making sure that people have enough money and dah, dah, dah. they always talk about the economy and the health of the economy but you know what you cannot have a proper, healthy economy if the people in your society are not healthy. And I don't just mean healthy in the sense of not having cancer or not having diabetes or not having some kind of illness or condition. I mean, healthy in the sense of being well and the whole sense of that mentally well, physically well, um, living close to where they work, not having the stress of being stuck in traffic twice a day for an hour to go to work, which to me is just like, I don't understand how we accept this. But if those politicians focused on prioritizing public health in the large sense of the word as a way to get to a good economy, you know, sick people don't buy stuff. Sick people are not productive. People who are on stress leave or with severe or significant mental health issues, they don't work. You know, they can't. Right. But when you focus on making sure people are well in the sense of like the whole person health then they're productive, then they work hard, then they want to contribute to society. They will go and volunteer and do things uh, for the rest of their community because they're healthy and they're well. This is what we need to focus on is public health first in order to get a good economy and a healthy economy. This to me, it makes so much sense and nobody seems to be really talking about that. And I wish someone did That's
0: it for this week's Green Room. Thanks so much for joining us as we get to the heart of climate action. You can find out more about our work and sign up for our newsletter at envirocenter.ca. Follow us on your favorite podcast app or subscribe on YouTube. See you next time.